afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERA Arlington 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Occupational therapists, also known as OTs, help people across the lifespan participate in the things they want and need. They do so through the therapeutic use of everyday activities. Because the U.S. population is aging, OTs are practicing in many settings where older adults live, and they're providing services to help them lead healthier, more independent lives. Today, my guest is Shanika White, an occupational therapist and owner of For Safety's Sake in Stafford, Virginia. She's going to talk about the role of OTs on healthcare teams in different residential and healthcare settings and how they promote productive aging among older adults. She'll also talk about the broad array of services OTs provide to older adults to prevent disease and help them remain independent and self-sufficient. So welcome, Shanika, and thank you for joining me today. Hello, and thank you for having me. I'm excited to be a part of your show. Well, we got a lot to learn here today, and you are the person that will help us understand. First of all, we want to start by asking you, Explain to us what is occupational therapy, and then tied to that question is how do occupational therapy practitioners, also known as OTs, which I said in my intro, how do they help older adult clients? That's a great question. Occupational therapists are holistic healthcare professionals that assist people throughout their entire lifespan, whether that be recovering from an injury, illness, surgery, or adapting to changes um, that may affect them in their day-to-day function. In terms for how occupational therapists help older adults, that would include being able to complete their day-to-day activities as well, uh, and how those things may have to be adapted or things may have to be included in order for them to complete the things that would give them their highest quality of life as safely and as independently as possible. So, Shanika, when you're talking about helping older adult clients, is the goal to give them back as healthy as possible? What exactly uh, are you trying to achieve when you provide services for older adults? Uh, Is it physical? Is it mental? Is it social? What is the goal there? The goal is definitely person-specific. Even being a healthcare provider, if I have two or three people with the exact same diagnosis, uh, my approach and the development for their plan of care is going to be different because it is specific to the needs, goals, preferences, uh, priorities for each person. So in terms for that, providing services, may have some commonalities, but there may be some differences. Someone may be more uh, motivated or interested in returning to uh, driving or doing their own shopping, where another patient with the exact same diagnosis may be very comfortable with uh, relinquishing um, driving and depending on other services and supports such as online shopping, uh, meal delivery, or uh, the inclusion of care partners um, to still accomplish their goals, but within um, what they would like to do. And I noticed on the website of the Occupational Therapy Association, 
that there's the term productive aging as it applies to the work of occupational therapists with older adults. Is that really kind of part of it, the productive aging, so that at whatever level, as you just described, it's still considered productive for that individual? Absolutely. And productivity is um, also um, person-specific in terms of, for instance, um, even something like mobility. Um, Productive aging for some people may be maintaining uh, their mobility in terms of actual walking, and for some, that may be transferring from um, hospital bed to wheelchair and being to navigate throughout their home as safely and efficiently as possible, as well as being able to uh, use their wheelchair to get in and out of a vehicle and engage in community outings, whether that's shopping or doctor's appointments. So definitely with productive aging, uh, the key is for maximizing quality of life uh, and health, um, but it's person uh, specific to what their needs, their goals, as well as their health um, abilities are. One thing I wanted to have you do, Shanika, is explain to our listeners the difference between occupational therapy and physical therapy. Oftentimes, we might hear more about physical therapy rather than occupational therapy. So I think it's really important for you to explain how does it differ from physical therapy? I would say the big difference with physical therapy is that they tend to focus on uh, the mobility um, section of it, uh, primarily whether that be with walking or navigating uh, using adaptive equipment such as a walker, cane, crutches. Uh, They also focus a lot on um, the biomechanics of mobility, uh, whether that be with uh, different joints or with strength. And for occupational therapy, we focus on improving the patient's um, ability to perform the activities of daily living. So for instance, if a physical therapist is working on ambulation, uh, an occupational therapist may uh, focus on um, balance or what they're doing uh, for that um, act of the ambulation. Um, Also, something such as standing tolerance. Occupational therapists uh, can uh, inject that into a treatment plan in terms for standing balance for toileting, standing balance for getting in and out of bed, standing balance and endurance for standing at the sink, uh, for hand washing and for hygiene. Um, So we work together very closely, but we have uh, more distinctive um, focus areas. Uh, Occupational therapists, we definitely um, have a person-centered, whole person-centered approach in terms for how we can connect the biomechanics to functionality and the goals related to what the person needs to do. I had mentioned in my intro about the the types of facilities where OTs provide services. Talk about that. Give us a little bit of an overview of where OTs are often providing services. And then explain in those settings what kind of services they might provide. There is um, a wide host of settings in which occupational therapists provide um, their services, and that would include 
hospitals, assisted living facilities, skilled nursing facilities or nursing homes, um, home health settings, uh, outpatient therapy, rehab clinics. Uh, there's even some specific um, for um, hand therapy rehab, um, driving rehab uh, centers, low vision clinics, uh, pain management centers, memory care facilities, as well as even in real estate and home modification sectors. And in terms of the services they provide, um, I would say the services uh, that occupational therapists provide, for instance, in a hospital setting, um, you're dealing with patients that are typically um, maybe a little bit more limited on what they can do at the time because they're recovering from possibly surgeries or injury or some type of exacerbation in their condition that would require a hospitalization. Uh, they tend to typically be a little bit more medically fragile or more so med uh, medically fragile than if you're dealing with someone that is in an outpatient uh, type center or even receiving home health services. Um, and some services that they would include would, um, would include working with the patient and the caregiver in regards to pain management, day-to-day uh, -day tasks such as um, dressing, uh, feeding, bathing, um, any home care uh, needs that they would have uh, for existence for real estate and home modification. Occupational therapy services would include accessibility, safety, and independence for someone to, th to thrive in their home uh, and to ensure that they've got any uh, revisions or adaptive equipment that they need in order to support those goals of being able to uh, to thrive at home and to be as independent as possible. And I'm also thinking that all of the various services that you're describing, Shanika, you could provide to an older adult living at home. I'm I'm wondering if that's the kind of work that you do uh, in in your company, uh, the for safety's sake. Talk a little bit about that. Are, are most of the services that you provide to older adults that are still living at home? Uh, yes, um, I would say that is about 90% of um, the clientele that I serve. Um, I help um, people in their homes. Now, homes could be subjective. That could be if they're in an assisted living facility, independent living facility, uh, memory care uh, community, as well as in their private residence. Um, but I really have a passion for helping specifically older adults uh, in their home settings because this is where um, we spend a majority of our time, especially since we're still in the thick of a pandemic. Uh, and so it is it would behoove us as occupational therapists to ensure that we're assisting older adults with making sure that their homes are set up to support their needs and their abilities and their functions to have a safe quality of life within their home, to reduce falls and to reduce injury, uh, to reduce any accessibility um, challenges that would um, prohibit them uh, from being able to enjoy um, their full layout of their home, as well as it reduces um, chances for hospitalizations um, in which I've had some patients that have 
uh, injured themselves at home, um, had to be hospitalized, and some of them have unfortunately contracted uh, COVID, which has prolonged their um, their return to health and recovery uh, to return home. So if we can come in as occupational therapists and address the needs uh, and address the goals for people to reside in their homes if they choose to do so, then your home should be your safe haven. And that's part of the reason why I named my company, uh, my practice for safety's sake, because we want to not only focus on function, but ensure that you're able to do the things that you want to do as safely as possible. And when you provide these services uh, at in someone's home, might you also be working with a spouse or a, a, a care partner or maybe a family member who's there? Or is, is your uh, focus solely on the just the older adult? How does that work? The older adult is definitely uh, my primary uh, client. However, um, I take into consideration, especially with their permission, um, a spouse and anyone else that lives in the home as well as care partners. Uh, so we're all a team in terms for coming up with um, ideas as well as um, finding out the areas of concern that they may have because uh, my patient or my client may explain to me some difficulties they're having, but also um, the spouse and any care partners um, that have a role in in uh, the recovery and the lives of my client uh, can maybe add something that possibly uh, my patient may be leaving out. And so it's really important um, that they're a part of the plan and recovery uh, as well. Again, I'm trying to make sure that, that our listeners understand about all of the services that uh, an occupational therapist provides. Would you help older adults stay connected uh, to and enjoy maybe their communities uh, in terms of social activities? Needless to say, we, we're limited right now to some extent, but is there that effort as well if you as a therapist can see that that would help in terms of uh, making the older adult healthier? Absolutely. It's really important that older adults, especially those that live alone, um, stay connected and engaged um, to their communities, uh, leisure activities, uh, especially now in terms for um, the clients that I serve are spending an extended um, amount of time at home more so than before. And so um, coming up with things that they're interested in, and that comes as um, throughout the occupational therapy assessment um, in terms for their interests, their desires, their goals, and trying to incorporate ways in which they can uh, still stay connected with friends, families, neighbors, um, community groups uh, through alternate ways to keep them um, safe as well as connected. Um, we in, um, depend a lot more so on uh, technology, whether that's just a cell phone, um, as well as uh, different Zoom uh, meetings that they can get on for exercise, whether that be YouTube or connecting with their local senior center uh, through Zoom in order to engage in uh, fitness activities uh, so they can 
still stay connected, but remain safe and reduce their exposure, um, as well as those that, especially those that are medically fragile, and especially those that are having difficulty uh, with getting transportation to and from the places that they may have went to before. And does Medicare or other health insurance policies, particularly if someone is under age 65, uh, do these different uh, insurance uh, programs, do they cover occupational therapy services? Yes, they do. Uh, Medicare also um, not only covers occupational therapy, but the good thing now is Medicare no longer limits how much it pays for medically necessary um, occupational therapy in one calendar year. So um, that takes the cap um, away in terms for having to be pressured to make a certain amount of progress uh, before Medicare would stop paying. Uh, so essentially, if someone needs more time to meet their goals or they may have um, health conditions or disorders that impacts their progress, uh, that they can still receive occupational therapy services as long as they're uh, as long as it's medically necessary. So that's really important that people know that occupational therapy uh, is covered, especially with Medicare, Medicaid, and most all of uh, the private insurances, uh, as well as with TRICARE. I am a Medicare Part B provider, so the beauty with that is what I mentioned, that they're no longer um, a financial cap on uh, them getting the occupational therapy services that they need. Uh, so that's good for a lot of people to know because a lot of people fear um, and don't defer to therapy services in general um, because they think that the cost would be excessive. And would an older adult who needs the kinds of services that you can provide, would a physician's order be necessary? Yes, for occupational therapy, you would need a physician's order. Um, and we we try to um, encourage people to be an advocate. Um, if you think that there is a need for occupational therapy services, definitely speak with your physician, um, whether they have you come in for an in-person visit or a telehealth visit, uh, but be a, an, an advocate. If you're starting to notice a decline, if you're having areas of concern that, that you think that you may need uh, therapy intervention, whether that be weakness, fatigue, uh, pain, if you're noticing uh, changes in uh, mobility or difficulty with doing your day-to-day tasks, such as dressing, bathing, uh, if you're having issues with uh, mobility or home accessibility, um, definitely talk with your doctor and and um, and they can definitely get you an order uh, written for you to have occupational therapy services. And then from there, uh, I do community based uh, therapy so they can um, they can give you a list of facilities or clinicians that you can reach out to or either you can choose your own of who you would like to um, seek um, occupational therapy services from. Um, going back to Medicare, they also cover uh, home safety assessments. So you could reach out to your physician and they can write an order for an occupational therapist to do a home safety 
assessment to ensure that you're able to safely thrive in your home. And if there are areas of concern, uh, an occupational therapist can provide um, written um, instruction as well as letters of medical necessity for adaptive equipment, whether that be a hospital bed, a walker, cane, um, modifications to the bathroom or toilet in order for you to um, safely thrive in your home with those uh, added features in place. What's the, what's the best place, Shanika, to uh, find a list of, of what occupational therapists uh, uh, provide what kind of services? I'm I'm assuming maybe you have something on your website. Is there also something on the occupational therapy uh, or the the, the association? Uh, how can people find out? I I want to make sure that people really understand because you've given such a excellent broad array of services, but people want to know. Well, where can I find out about this so that I I know what to ask, especially when talking with their physician, what, what would you tell us as to best resources? Some great resources would be definitely the American Occupational Therapy Association website. And so that would be uh, www.aota.org. That would be a great one because that would cover people um, that are maybe in different areas outside of Virginia. I am a licensed occupational therapist for Virginia as well as Tennessee, um, but that would be a great place to go. There's excellent resources on the AOTA website for people in different um, uh, areas outside of your listening range. Uh, so I would say AOT AOTA would be the gr uh, great resource as well as my website is forsafetyot.com. So that's www.forsafetyot.com. Those are two great ones, as well as um, I refer a lot of people to the National Council on Aging. Uh, their website is www.ncoa.org. So those would be three that I would definitely recommend to start off with to learn more about occupational therapy, about occupational therapist uh, support services for the aging community. Um, another one would be reaching out to your local area agency on aging. Okay. Well, we have been able to get a really good overview of occupational therapy here and what kind of services and where they are provided and the fact that they're covered, but we're going to be talking about the specific services and how OTs actually provide those services and what kinds of situations in the second half. And in case you tuned in late, we're speaking with Shanika White, who is an occupational therapist, and she's owner of For Safety's Sake in Stafford, Virginia. And you are listening to WERA Arlington 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. been talking with Shanika White, who is an occupational therapist, about the services that OTs provide. And uh, we'd like to turn now a little bit to how things have changed 
especially since the pandemic. So I thought that would be a good question to start the second half. Uh, Shanika, tell us, has the role of, of occupational therapists changed since the start of, of the pandemic? Have you had to implement new policies when you're acting, interacting with older adults? What, what's been happening in that regard? Oh, my. Uh, the roles for occupational therapy has definitely changed uh, and amped up for the better parts um, since the pandemic. Um, how we approach uh, care in terms for infection control, um, the additional layers of uh, personal protective equipment that is uh, utilized throughout person-to-person uh, -person sessions in order to keep uh, those that we serve as safe uh, and protected as possible. Um, that includes COVID questionnaires. That's something that was not included um, in our day-to-day -day care before. Um, definitely the inclusion of virtual visits and telehealth visits in order to be able to continue to serve our patients However, are reducing foot traffic in their homes. As I mentioned, I'm a community-based uh, occupational therapist, so I provide services um, in their home or via virtual visits. Uh, we call them telehealth visits. Um, so that is a great way to extend our services uh, as well as to keep uh, the persons that we're serving as safe as possible, reducing foot traffic in their homes. Uh, keeping them out of busy uh, outpatient therapy clinics, um, as well as it allows us to expand our reach to those that we can serve. Um, they may be out of our driving radius um, as well. So it definitely has caused us uh, to pivot um, and to include uh, more things in terms for infection control and health promotion. Uh, as well as uh, reminders for the CDC guidelines in order to keep those that we serve as safe and as healthy as possible. And you mentioned a, a little bit earlier about home modifications. Help us understand what that home modifications are, what, what's included, and, and why might these be necessary for older adults, and, and can they help increase uh, independence? So explain to us what that means. Home modifications are changes that are made to the structure or the layout of your home uh, to increase independence, uh, safety, accessibility, as well as security in a home. So I tell people in terms of home modifications could be no cost, to low cost, to um, a very extensive um, and, and costly um, thing. It's case by case in terms for home modifications uh, that could include uh, removing excess clutter or furniture uh, to reduce uh, tripping hazards, uh, to improve mobility for people to navigate throughout their homes, as well as it's a great factor in terms for visibility uh, for other people coming into the home, especially the um, ambulance workers, if they're needed, um, if they're called in order to get into a home, that they're able to quickly, efficiently reach you to get into your home to get you the necessary care that's needed. And in terms for how um, 
older adults are positively impacted uh, through home modifications. Um, it's a key factor in helping individuals to live longer and to thrive in the home of their choice for as long as possible. So if an older adult reaches out to an occupational therapist for a home safety evaluation um, um, to, to determine if there is a need for any type of adaptive equipment or modifications, uh, it's, it's definitely important to have uh, thorough discussions uh, with the clients as well as any care partners that are involved and to get a good layout and observation of how they interact in the home, how the home is currently serving them, and what adaptations, what modifications could be implemented, what could be improved in order for them to uh, lengthen their stay in their home, uh, but to make it as efficient and as safe as possible. Explain that safety evaluation uh exercise that you are talking about, what do you do? Do you go into someone's home then and kind of walk from room to room and have a checklist and, and have the older adult and maybe the caregiver or family member? Help us understand what would be involved in that so that, again, if listeners wanted to, uh, to do that, they would know what to expect. Well, it starts first with um, a phone interview. So I get um, an idea of kind of the needs, the goals, desires, the challenges, even before I reach a home for a home safety assessment. But uh, it starts actually from the exterior of the home. When I'm pulling up to the home, I'm looking at um, things such as um walkways, especially if I'm dealing with someone that has maybe changes in mobility, they may have had a recent amputation and had to transition from, you know, walking with a cane or walker or nothing at all to being um, a wheelchair user. Uh, so I'm looking at the outside of the home in terms for accessibility and safety. Um, are there uh, house numbers that are visible from the street? In case emergency workers have to access the home, they can reach them as quickly as possible. I'm looking at the width of the doors. Are they at a proper um, distance in order for someone to uh, access the home, whether they're using a wheelchair or having guests over? Um, and then once you enter a home, it's definitely going room to room seeing how the person interacts with the current environment of the home. Are they able to navigate from room to room with ease and safety? Uh, are they unable to uh, utilize certain rooms because they're maybe on a different floor or because the doorways are too narrow and they've uh, suffered an injury to their hands uh, from trying to get into the rooms? Um, are the, the lighting fixtures uh, and flooring uh, supportive uh, for their needs? Are they easily able to um, go from room to room? Uh, are they having a history of falls? Um, has there been a decline in, uh, in function or use of, let's say, their bathroom because they can't get in and out? of the um, the shower safely if they have um, an older home or older um, fixtures such as a clawfoot tub and so now they're taking sponge baths at the sink and their desires to be able to um, use their shower again or to 
find alternate ways to get in and out of their um, their bathtub. So it's definitely case by case and it's environment by environment. Um, but it definitely um, takes a keen, a skilled eye to be able to go in and see how is the home currently serving a, a person and how we can implement uh, safer practices as well as modifications to the home or the use of uh, medical equipment in order to make it uh, as supportive and as safe as possible. And then once you identify uh, certain things that need to be done or changes that need to be made, do you also then continue to work with the older adult and the family or caregiver to implement and make those changes? Uh, how does that work? Yes. Um, after the um, um, evaluation is complete, it would include um, a list of um, features, modifications, supports that would increase um, the ease and independence and safety, not only of the client that I'm specifically working with, but as well as their caregivers as well. If I have someone that may be um, a wheelchair user or if someone is bed bound, um, they're depending more so on the care partners. And so the goal is to be able to include um, features and safer practice and equipment in order for the care partners to be able to um, do the tasks that they need to do as safely and as independently as possible, but also to reduce um, some of the the physical and psychological uh, burdens that may come upon that care partner. So if, um, let's say, a caregiver um, has been physically lifting someone in and out of a, a bathtub, then we would definitely want to incorporate uh, the use of whether it be a sliding bench or a lift system in order um, and, and teach the care partner how they can safely and efficiently utilize that uh, to re to reduce the physical uh, strains that they may have with providing the care that that they're they're doing. But yes, there's thorough follow up that happens after the home safety assessment is done, uh, incorporating um, the letters of recommendation for modification, safer practices or products that may uh, increase safety and accessibility within the home, and follow up for after they've had the things uh, put in place in their homes. It includes um, a quality check to ensure that the things are, are in the proper place and that they're structurally sound, as well as education uh, for the older adults and any care partners on uh, the best ways to use um, and carry over for education. Um, because we're there for a short amount of time, whether we're working with them uh, for just a few sessions or for a few months. But we want to make sure that the uh, patients that we're working with, as well as the care partners, are able to provide uh, a safe and efficient continuity of care once the occupational therapist has completed um, their, their services within the home with home modifications and education. Let's talk a little bit about transportation needs. Have uh, I think you had mentioned that earlier, but explain to us what kinds of help OTs can offer 
if somebody needs transportation to the the doctor's office or groceries, uh, is there certain services that OTs provide in that realm? Yes, uh, there are services uh, in which that helps uh, older adults that no longer drive or choose not to drive. Um, if you if you reach out to your local area agency on aging, a lot of times they have low cost and no cost options to where you can arrange uh, transportation uh, where they come to your home, uh, pick you up and take you, whether that be for um, health care appointments as well as shopping. Um, I've actually had a pleasure in helping a lot of patients uh, utilize their cell phones and transportation uh, applications on their phone, uh, such as Uber and Lyft, and assisting them with ways to um, utilize that so they can have a lot more um, independence and choice of when they decide that they want to have an outing, uh, which is a lot more flexible than some of the um, services that they may uh, utilize through, um, like I mentioned, the Area Agency on Aging. Um, but maintaining independence with transportation is definitely a big one, especially someone that has recently transitioned uh, from being a driver to not um, they want to be able to have a lot of independence on having a say-so and going on their terms. And so definitely it's a case-by-case case, uh, and a comfort level of the patient. Some of them would prefer um, to utilize uh, a private driving service such as Uber or Lyft uh, because they want to uh, minimize their interaction and exposure to um being on transportation with um, a lot of people. And then you have some that will prefer to have like a group ride share uh, type transportation option, um, not only for, so, uh, for socializing, but for also um, feelings of, of safety as well. So it varies case by case, but occupational therapists can definitely help a person uh, with transportation needs uh, based on their goals and their comfort level. And are OTs also involved with helping to promote health and prevent disease? Uh, obviously, the goal always is to try to keep folks as healthy as possible. Do you focus on or provide certain services that help to accomplish the health promotion and disease prevention? Uh, yes, occupational therapists definitely help in the wellness and health promotion and disease prevention for older adults um, to ensure that they're able to thrive no matter uh, what uh, place they may, may be at in terms of their functions and uh, abilities and how those things may change for them in the near future, especially if they've got an upcoming surgery, let's say for a hip replacement or a knee replacement, or uh, if they've got an amputation scheduled, as well as if they have any type of chronic progressive uh, disorder, how those changes may affect uh, their function and ability, and how we may have to uh, navigate that and, and, and be able to address how those things may change for them, as well as their care partners. Well, let's talk also, you've, you've talked about different types of health uh, situations and that. I was also wondering a little bit about rehab, uh, maybe somebody who's 
actually had a stroke or might have some short and long-term disabilities? Are, are there services that OTs provide to patients with those conditions? Absolutely. Um, for rehab for older adults uh, that are recovering from a stroke, um, number one, uh, strokes are a leading cause of adult disabilities. Uh, strokes, uh, strokes definitely affect speech and cognition, memory, uh, muscle tone, uh, independence with being able to um, do things that they once did before, whether that's dressing or feeding themselves uh, walking, driving, working, uh, and definitely rehab uh, in terms for occupational therapy um, reengages and helps them in their current uh, abilities as well as to progress them um, to regaining those functions. So it's really important that occupational therapy is involved and typically are from the very beginning uh, once um they've they've experienced uh, a CVA of any sort. Um, so you definitely want to be proactive and to get occupational therapy services in from the very beginning in order to have a greater um, greater uh, sense of recovery and to maximize um, the time and progress that they can make. And I was also wondering, Shanika, about uh older adults who might have uh, Alzheimer's disease or some other type of dementia? Are there uh, OT services or therapies that are provided uh, to help both the older adult and, and perhaps the care partner and the family? Uh, what, what is the process there? Is there, what, what would you tell us? Uh, with occupational therapists that are working uh, with persons with Alzheimer's or other um, types of dementia, uh, the key is definitely focus on what they're able to do and not what they're unable to do. Uh, that would be case by case. We know that this is a progressive uh, disorder. And so the key is being able to maximize uh, comfort, uh, safety, social engagement, and quality of life. Um, including the care partners for sure, uh, and to focus on the continuity of care as well as how to uh, appropriately uh, interact with someone uh, who may be advancing in their dementia um, to reduce uh, care partner uh, frustration and burnout and to try to set them up for success as, as much as possible. Um, a lot of um, occupational therapists work in memory care communities in which this is uh, these are some of the services that they provide um, to the patients as well as to the staff there. Uh, but safety, quality of life, engagement, comfort, um, pain management, um, self-care, uh, these are all things that are, um, are services that are provided and essential uh, to maintain a quality of care regardless um, of what someone with uh, a dementia-related diagnosis may be um, experiencing. Okay, and, and I also understand, and I noticed this on the, your website, uh, about animal-assisted therapy. Is this something new that occupational therapists are getting into or... Uh, is this something that you have decided that you're going to offer as a service? Uh, talk about that and how it can help older adults. 
I'm I'm excited to uh, potentially offer this in the near future. Uh, Animal-assisted therapy is the inclusion of an animal in order to meet the goals um, or to um, provide social interactions uh, for someone. So specifically for how I plan to use uh, my puppy, uh, which is a golden doodle, she's a therapy pup in training, um, and my practice is to do um, nursing home and community-based uh, visits. Uh, there's a huge connection between uh, humans and animals. So a lot of times you will see with people that utilize animal-assisted therapy is that they're able to uh, reduce anxiety and depression, uh, to improve the communication um, with someone that uh, the clinician or the therapist may not be able to tap into at that moment. Uh, so it's definitely, uh, it breaks down uh, barriers in terms for anxieties and stress that may be related. Uh, I've seen um, persons um, interact with animal-assisted therapy, have someone that is uh, nonverbal, and then they um, start to make attempts to verbalize and communicate and greet um, the, the animal-assistive um, pet. A lot of times you'll see uh, dogs or horses are the most common for animal-assisted therapy. You see them in school settings where you ha have children that may be uh, timid or afraid or have anxiety uh, with reading, and they bring in the animal-assisted uh, therapy pets. And uh, it really just uh, lightens the sense of tension and allows them to have uh, someone that they may feel is uh, going to be free of judgment uh, in order for them to make progress that they need to make. I've seen people um, have the inclusion of animal-assisted therapy in, in terms of uh, the rehab world of uh, occupational therapy uh, to where uh, they've had someone that is attempting to um, to walk or to put on their socks or shoes. Um, and if the therapy put, comes over and nudges a shoe, then that may provide them with a little bit more encouragement to do so. Okay, well, we're just about out of time, Shanika, but if you could just help our listeners understand, I'm sure there's a more and more services that we haven't covered that are available. So give us the best resources, again, where older adults and their families can learn about these occupational therapy services. Uh, some great resources, again, that any of your listeners uh, can tap into. Uh, my website is for safety. OT.com. Uh, there's another one, uh, the American uh, Occupational Therapy Association. That one would be AOTA.org. You got the uh, National Council on Aging. That website is NCOA.org. Another great resource, uh, which is a comprehensive directory of resources uh, for older adults in Virginia, is Senior Navigator. Um, I would um, encourage people to join or to at least uh, research their uh, local fall prevention alliances. Uh, we have two that are not far from here, which is the Northern Virginia Falls Prevention Alliance, as well as you have based out of Richmond is the Virginia Arthritis Fall Prevention Coalition. Um, 
You have Virginia uh, Department of Aging and Rehab Services. Uh, that website is V-A-D-A-R-S. And then in terms for home modifications, for people that may be unable to afford uh, um, some modifications that they may need um, in their homes, uh, you have nonprofits such as Rebuilding Together and Project Menda House. Those are... Um, those two um, are here in Virginia, but rebuild, rebuilding together is national, so you can find um, a local uh, office to you. Um, and then you have, in terms for home modifications for those that are veterans, you have um, VA-related home modification uh, benefits, and they can get um, home modification benefit fundings ranging in $2,000 to $100,000 in order to help disabled veterans have safe, accessible homes. Okay, well, lots of good resources, so people can definitely follow up. Well, I want to thank Shanika White, an occupational therapist with For Safety's Sake, for joining me today. Now, if you want to learn about Aging Matters, just visit our website, and it's agingmattersonline.com, and at this site, you can access all the Aging Matters radio programs and the TV show content that we've done in the past, as well as check out the two Aging Matters podcasts on Apple and Spotify. Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media, which you can learn more about by logging on to inkmouthmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Aging Matters today. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week.